0: welcome back to another sound truth interview i'm your host adam miller and today i'm privileged to be joined by marty machowski who is written a book for advent as this christmas season it's always important to have some helpful resources because it's it's hard enough to make all of the preparations and plans for the holidays and then to think oh i have to have a lesson or something for my kids or my family So we can talk about the real heart of the ministry. So we're always looking for great Advent devotionals, great studies to to make you aware of so that you can structure your devotional time with your family around the true meaning of Christmas. It's a real joy and privilege to be joined. Marty, thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message.
1: Well, I'm glad to be joining you, and uh, I love to encourage uh, parents and caregivers to uh, make the most of the Christmas season, because uh, all around, this message of Jesus coming, uh, though sometimes cryptic, uh, is there, and it's a great opportunity for us to talk about God with our kids.
0: Now, the title of your book here is The Light Before Christmas, a Family Advent Devotional. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background that kind of leads into the, the content and the context of this book.
1: Well, I am a family pastor, uh, and I've been at the same church for more than 30 years. And in that time, I have been leading Promised Kingdom, our children's ministry. I'm the father of six children and have six grandchildren. And it's been my desire. I'd like to think I have a, a similar desire as Asaph, who in Psalm 78 said, We will not hide the glorious deeds that have been passed on uh, by our fathers from our children, Uh, but we'll tell them these glorious deeds. And so that's really what I have set out to do, is to provide tools for parents to be able to tell the glorious deeds of God to the next generation.
0: Mm. I love Psalm 78. In fact, we just looked at this this past summer. It's kind of nice to think about summer during this season right now, but uh, 30 years of family ministry, what a, uh, a treat and a, a privilege to be able to serve the families, but I'm sure in those years you've learned that uh, the challenges of actually, you know, the idea of doing family devotions and family studies are great, but the actual implementation is actually quite hard.
1: Well, you know, it's, it, you've got the enemy always whispering your, in your ear, you know? So you're at the dinner table and you're wanting to do a family devotion. And two of your kids start poking each other and get into a fight. And then you find yourself yelling, <laughs> this is family devotions you're supposed to be paying. And then you're like, wait, 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 Marty, duh, this is family devotions. You're not supposed to be yelling. And then the enemy's there. It just says, you're a failure. That didn't work. What are you trying to accomplish? And, uh, So uh, what I want to help parents is provide them sound tools that don't take any preparation. So when your fat study Bible sitting on the coffee table is laughing at you, (laughs) try to conquer me, go ahead, you could say, I've got something that can help me do just that, that somebody else prepared. I just need 10 minutes a day. I can lead my kids, and I know that uh, they'll be getting the message of truth.
0: Mm. Now for any of our listeners who are already overwhelmed with preparations for the holiday season and are just swamped with the idea of adding one more thing, one more responsibility to their plate, uh, ultimately what you're charged with and what you're encouraging our listeners to take seriously is that this is actually the most important thing that we can set as our priority for this season.
1: Well, it is. And you think about how busy Christmas can be. Uh, there's, uh, I know at our church, we've got a lot of activities. We've got Christmas concerts. Uh, we've got kids doing Christmas plays. And uh, everybody has Christmas parties, you know, the, your office Christmas party, your family Christmas party, uh the choir Christmas party, and you know, before you know it, you're flying around trying to buy gifts for your own family, finding time to wrap them at every nook and cranny of time. And someone says, "So, what did you do this year for Advent?" And you go, "For what, Advent?" You know. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's 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 a busy season, but uh, I think that if you get word just a little bit ahead and you have a good resource that you didn't have to write, you didn't have to study, you didn't have to prepare, uh, then everybody can take 10 minutes a day, at least three days a week, which is all it takes to go through uh, the light
0: before Christmas. Mm. Tell us a little bit about how you structured this book, because it's a little bit different than the typical Advent devotional.
1: Well, uh, I do... With, as I did with my um, prior Advent devotional, Prepare Him Room, I wove in a fictional story, a fictional family Christmas story, that helps to emphasize the biblical content that I am putting forward, the whole idea, the theme of light during the Christmas season. And so Mia goes to live with her grandmother over the Christmas season, and her grandmother is blind. And so this whole idea that if you're blind, you can't see, but, uh, you know, her grandmother talks about how, uh, God has opened the eyes of her heart to be able to see the truth of the gospel so that even for a blind person in their heart, they can see. And so that story weaves throughout the Advent study of the theme of light and, uh, it, I think it helps to propel kids and keep their interest as they move through the Bible study because they want to know what's going to happen in the story. And you say, well, we'll have to wait till the next time. Uh, we'll have to do two more devotions, and then we get the next installment of the story. So you're going to have to wait, and it creates that kind of anticipation that goes along with the Bible study.
0: And that really makes it so that the kids are going to want to do it, and they're actually probably going to be leading the charge and saying, hey, don't forget, we did, we got to do our Advent story. They're, they're actually anticipating it. So if you have it scheduled around a, a time where your family's normally together, wait, be dinner after having dinner, the kids are going to want to, to know the rest of the story. Yeah, that's the whole idea. And uh, there's something that is
1: less analytical and more tangible When you have a character in this story that they can identify with, in this case, Mia. She goes to live with her grandmother. Um, She's in her grade school years, and she's trying to figure this all out. You know, she's grown up in a Christian family, but just because you grow up in a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. You have that watershed moment in your life where you ask the question, do I believe? And so that's the question ultimately facing Mia in the story. And, well, you'll have to read the story to figure out what happens in the
0: end. Mm. So for parents and for uh, grandparents and really any caregivers, as you mentioned, that are looking to do this together as a family, it it is really laid out for them quite well, including some interactive activities that they can do and participate in.
1: Yeah, I wanted to uh, include activities and the, the book actually comes along with a church curriculum. So your church can be doing this on Sunday and then you as a family following up on three days a week for each of the weeks of Advent. And you've got activities like you're going to make your own Advent wreath, uh, which is actually not very difficult to do. And so it gives kids fun, hands-on things that they can accomplish and feel like they're a part of what's going
0: on here. Now, that is an interesting structure. You only do three days a week. Tell us a little bit about the impetus behind that.
1: Well, I like to think of Advent Bible studies as a good, let's get back on track kind of an opportunity. So. Families, you, you, you really want it. I mean, I haven't met a Christian family yet where I talk to the parents and they say, oh, yeah, we don't believe in Bible studies in our home. <laughs> they all believe in them. They all want to do them, but they find it difficult. When, when do I get the time? So my thoughts are, okay, you can start with something that's easy to accomplish. It is only four weeks long. And there's only three studies per week. So if you do it Monday and Tuesday, but you skip Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you could still make it up on Sunday. And so you only need to do three a week. It's only four weeks. See if you can buckle down and put a little notch in your belt. I did Advent. We did Advent this year. And then from then on, they can pick up something that's more uh, lengthy that will take them throughout the rest of the year. Um, For instance, like I have, long story short, takes you through the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But for this, I wanted three days
0: a week, only
1: four weeks in Advent,
0: anybody can do that. Yeah. I think that's such a, a crucial component, especially when you have uh, this standard set by social media that's so high, like, I could never do what I see other people are doing with their kids. And that intimidation factor really does cause people to kind of shut down and not do anything. But what I like to do in my ministry, I'm, I'm sure that you can relate to this as well as a family pastor, is that you got to really set the bar really low, and you got to show people that it's not hard. And, and even if you're just reading a passage of Scripture and singing a song and praying together, that's enough for a pretty significant Bible study.
1: Yeah, and actually, you know, it adds up over time. Mm-hmm. So if All you ever did was uh, four weeks of Advent, but you did it every year, and you didn't do any Bible study the the rest of your you know children's lives. Um, You know, you start adding up eighteen times four. That's a lot of Bible studies. You know, a, a lot of weeks of Bible study. And so, I like to give parents things that they can accomplish because we do more when we're encouraged. If You've got, you know, it's, it's like read through the Bible in a year plan. Uh, you know, you're doing really well in January. February, you start to fall behind. And in March, uh, if, if someone just keeps telling you, you got to finish it in a year, you got to finish it in a year, you, you're like, forget it. I'm never going to do it. I'm done. And you stop. But if a friend comes up to you and says, hey, you know what I did with my Bible reading in a year plan? I decided I'm going to do it over three years. And I'm just going to slow it down, do a little bit less. And I found that wow, you know, when I was doing the Bible in a year plan, I was actually now a month behind. But when I moved to do a Bible in three years plan, I'm still ahead.
0: Hmm. I that's like a, that, that. That's idea. a
1: great way to encourage them.
0: Yeah, and I like that idea that it's it's something that you can do very simply. It's something you can do without having to plan out every day of the week with a Bible study that you're never going to get caught up on and always going to be falling behind. It gives the standard of of being able to sit down with your family and not try to accomplish everything, but just one little thing, one little move. And eventually, as you said, that that grows and it expands.
1: Yeah. And what's really important is when you're only doing a few uh, meetings per week that you're doing the right thing Mm. you know the apostle paul in the book of romans talks about the gospel um that he's not ashamed of the gospel uh that it's god's gift for the salvation of everyone who believes uh so so that gospel message is the seed of truth that the Spirit of God can blow on and cause to sprout and grow, that can transform your children's lives. And Christmas is all about the gospel, the incarnation of Jesus Christ coming down to earth as a man to live a perfect life, die on the cross to take the penalty we deserve, and then rise again in victory on the third day to prove that the work was accepted by God and he accomplished the task. That is the Easter message, but it's also the Christmas message because it's on Christmas that Jesus came, born, we all know the story, in a stable, in a manger. And uh, getting that story into the lives of your children is a life-transforming nugget of truth that God can use to change
0: their lives. I I love what you just said. That's what we try to emphasize all of the time on our broadcast. We want people to hear the gospel and articulate the gospel on a regular basis, because that's the center of everything we're doing, and it's what we want to convey to the next generation. And I wanted to ask you, what then is the theme of this book, A Light Before Christmas? What is the the message that you're conveying in this story? Well, the
1: the theme of light uh, is found throughout uh, the Bible, and it it actually has this focal point that finds its fulfillment in Christ. Uh, Isaiah said, "The people walking in darkness have seen a great light; on them a great light has shone." What's the light that shines into that darkness? Well, Jesus said that He is the light of the world, and uh, you know. The Bible tells us that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone about them. When the shepherd or when the uh, the wise men went to find the child, they followed the light of a star. As we are drawn into the family of God, uh, we also become children of light. The Bible says, and we're to let our light shine before men. Nobody takes a lamp and puts it under a basket, under a bushel, but they put it up on the table so that all can see the light. So God is light. Jesus is the light. He touches us and transforms us and makes us children of light that we might share the light. Who is the light? Jesus is the light with the people around us and the light of the gospel would spread to all men. So That begins, that's fulfilled on Christmas Day day when Jesus is born.
0: Of course, the story of Christmas is such a, a subtle change. A baby is born and not into a prominent family and not in a high status. And yet, that little light had the ability to transform the entire world as we know it. It's the significance of that light that is is also really powerful, especially in a season where it's the darkest here, at least in the Northeast. It is pretty dark here in the winter months, but it is a season where we're reminded of the light of the gospel. And when we go to heaven, there will
1: be no need for sun nor moon to light our day, because Jesus himself will be Uh, In his brilliant glory, shining light, and that is what will light up the world, is the light of Christ. That is just an amazing thing to try to comprehend
0: it's such an important component to make sure that's front and center within the Christmas season, because let's face it, it's, it's really easy, especially for little kids to be uh, attracted by all the other lights of Christmas, all of the other kind of uh, pomp and circumstance, the glistening of the ornaments and the wrapped presents. It's very easy for them to think that Christmas is really about what consumerism has made it to be.
1: Well, you know uh, what starts out as truth, very often gets distorted, uh, diluted, and uh, you take the whole idea of uh, gift giving. Um, you know, the grace of God, the gift, the greatest gift is that of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So Jesus is a gift, and and I think giving gifts at Christmas time is a wonderful expression of that God giving of his greatest gift. But how many people give gifts and have no connection back to why we give gifts on Christmas? And I think, you know, the same is true of light, that Christmas is a season of light. People decorate their trees with lights. They decorate their, uh, you know, uh, outside of their houses with lights. And yet they don't know the significance of light. So I thought, why not put the significance of light at Christmas time into a book and let's recapture some of the truth behind the traditions and give people the reason as they say for the season.
0: Mm. Tell us a little bit about why this is important to happen in the home. You mentioned that this is something that they can do in churches. There's a great curriculum for Sunday schools and church services to incorporate this into the the Sunday worship day. Uh, shouldn't that be enough? I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are probably asking that question. I make sure that my kid is in church. I make sure that my kid is in a um, maybe even a midweek program at the church, and they're in Sunday school. Is it really necessary to to f- try to have a devotions amongst the chaos of the dinner table?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that uh, there are churches that do a fantastic job of training the kids, but that's only an hour. An hour and a half per week, they are being patterned all day long, seven days a week, watching mom and dad. And so the question is what groove are you wearing into their lives? You know, do we want our kids to grow up thinking that church is an add on, like an app on our phone, and we do it when we want to for that hour and a half a day? And then we kind of put that away and move on to the rest, the, the volume of life. We work, we have fun, we watch movies, we do sports. And if, if that's what you do, and there is no example in the home of an affection and a love for God, then you might just be uh, raising a young Pharisee who is Christian in name, but not Christian in heart. Christian in identity on the outside, but not Christian identity on the inside. And so, you know what we want? We don't just want to raise nominal Christians. We want to raise genuine Christians. Children who, when the hardships of life befall them, when when they get cancer, their spouse gets cancer, when they uh, lose their job or their spouse or, or their child is in distress, they don't give up. They turn toward God, the one that they know can transform their life. Because why? They saw it happen in Mom and Dad's life, mm-hmm. and so there really is no substitute for that practical expression of your faith before your children. Which is why I think when we look at Deuteronomy, it before it says that you should teach those things to your children, the laws of God. It, you know, uh, Moses speaking on behalf of God tells parents to um, let these things um, be found in your life first.
0: You know, uh, you should love God, and then you go ahead and teach your kids. Yeah, teach them diligently to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and obviously is passed down through the example as well as the teaching. What is the age range for a, a devotional, an Advent devotional like this? I mean, is there an age that's too old or is there an age that's too young? What's the target and, and should, should everyone be doing this sort of Advent devotional?
1: Well, you know, I think families often have a spread. So we had six kids. They were 10 years apart. So at one point we had a one-year-old and a 10-year-old. And so I, I knew that when I did Advent devotions with my house, I wasn't expecting my one-year-old to answer any of the questions. And then I had 15-year-olds down to five-year-olds. And I said, well, yeah, okay, the five-year-olds can listen in and they can probably begin to participate. But what about those 15-year-olds? Are they getting too old to do a study like this? And what I found, particularly with Advent, is uh, that you create family traditions and, and teens are never too old, particularly if you do it year after year. Uh, Think about how your teens still love to, they don't admit it, but if you're watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with your youngest kids, those teens are kind of coming in and they're listening and they're watching, say, this is one of my favorite things when I was a kid, watching Rudolph, you know? And so I say, no, you're never too old for Christmas, but you might be too young to be able to comprehend the gospel and the details. uh, So, if your children are all three and under, I would say, why don't you put the book on a shelf and wait till the, another couple of years till the oldest ones are five. But if you have a one-year-old and grade school children, then go ahead as a family and begin to engage in that Advent season with the study and let the one-year-old play happily with blocks or coloring while the rest of the family engages and they'll begin, even at that young age, to learn that tradition.
0: Mm. I remember when uh, my sisters and I were all in our teen years, my parents made a special effort because we were always busy in the evenings. I mean, we had jobs, we were always, you know, dinner together as a family was not very, was a pretty rare event in our home when we were teenagers. So my dad would come home from lunch, uh, and we would have lunch together as a family. Uh, we tried to make that a, a priority so that we still had those meals together, but also that time to study devotions. I, I think it's really crucial and something that if we don't really hold on to and make intentional, we, we will eventually lose that in, in our culture. You know, we had the same thing with our family uh, when our kids
1: were young. We were all eating together. And uh, that made for a great opportunity to do something devotional. I learned that the best place to put it is after dinner, before dessert. Try to do it before (laughs) dinner, and everybody's screaming. But you can use dessert in your favor. Hey, guys, if you listen to this devotion, we get ice cream. Uh, Ice cream will garner you an extra five or ten minutes of, of interest. But as our kids grew older, our teens began to get jobs, They began to do university classes even before they graduated high school in their last year at the community college. And those classes could be at all different hours. We learned that we had to go from doing um, an everyday family dinner to where we preserved Monday night. That's family night. And so uh, this past Monday night, uh, we had family night. And uh, my son who lives about an hour away with his wife and daughter, They drove for that Monday dinner. My daughter brought her kids from their house. And so it became a tradition that, well, not every Monday night, but still probably at least two Mondays a month, we're getting all of our kids except for my son in Arizona to come back and have that family dinner. And they love it. They Mm. don't have to cook. They get to enjoy (laughs) the cousins and uh, we get to see our grandkids.
0: Mm you got to make it a priority, and uh, I think in all of this, uh, it really needs to be something that I know parents pray for their kids, but with the intention and the and, uh, a focus of making sure that we impress upon them the things that are most valuable. Could I ask you to pray, uh, especially for our listeners and those who will take this challenge to make the Christmas Advent devotional a priority in their home? that it would be powerful and useful and beneficial in impressing upon the next generation how to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength.
1: I'd be glad to. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you would encourage parents who are listening in. uh, Some who are thinking, yeah, I tried, but I usually fail. Would you just help them to say, no, I'm going to try again. Advent, four weeks, three devotions per week that's 12 devotions. I can do that. And I pray, Lord God, that for every family who presses in and does devotions with their family this Advent season, that you would do this, Lord, that you would implant the truth of the gospel into the hearts of their children through those labors. And you, Lord God, would cause those seeds of the gospel to sprout and grow. We plant the seeds, we water them with our prayers, But as Paul said, only God can give the increase. We might think that we're insignificant. Paul said, yeah, he who plants and he who waters is nothing but God who gives the growth. So, Lord, help people to plant the seeds and cause them to grow. In
0: Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've been talking with Marty Machowski about his book. It's called The Light Before Christmas. It is a family Advent devotional, a great resource for this holiday season. And if you don't if you don't have already plans in place, this is one you can start with and uh, pick up right where you're at and carry through this holiday season. Uh, it's a real privilege, Marty, to have you with us. Thank you so much for your heart and your love for families and children for the next generation, and also for your commitment to putting these Advent devotionals together for our listeners.
1: You are very welcome.